Welcome to episode 26, everyone. This particular episode we recorded was with a, a comedian, a stand-up comedian by the name of Jay Malone. And the conversation that we had was so pleasantly astounding because in the beginning of us starting to record this particular episode, Jay didn't know anything about cryptocurrency. But by the end of it, he, um, well, he wanted to get set up with a crypto wallet so people from all around the world could pay him with Bitcoin. So that transformation was really quite amazing to witness in the span of this particular episode. And in general, since he's a comedian, it was just a bunch of very funny responses combined with very good questions and intelligent answers. So we thoroughly enjoyed recording it and we're sure you will too. Let's dive in. The thoughts and opinions expressed by Keegan Francis, Murgakshi Palway, and the guests interviewed on the Go Full Crypto podcast are solely their own. The content discussed are intended to be for informational purposes only. Welcome to episode 26 of the Go Full Crypto podcast, everyone. This is going to be a funny one because we are speaking to Jay Malone, who is an award-winning comedian. And we're very excited to have this conversation with him. It is part of the series of Simple Questions Smart People Ask. And uh, I, this, I'm just looking so, so looking forward to this one because um, I'm very much interested in seeing the kind of questions that uh, come from this. So without further ado, Jay, why don't you introduce yourself? Um, sure. I think though for this episode, what I'm hoping to get is um, smart questions that simple people ask because I consider myself a simple <laughs> person. So you'll be getting very simple crypto questions uh, from me. Um, so yeah, my name is Jay Malone and uh, I'm originally from the Annapolis Valley, Nova Scotia. Uh, I grew up there and um, I, I moved uh, to Toronto on a dare basically to become a comedian uh, and I did it after doing one show. And, um, and then I developed a plan of how I wanted to climb the ladder because I remember when I was a kid, I would watch TV and just think like, I think I can do that. I, that doesn't look hard. How do you, how do you do that? And so just kind of figured out my own path. And um, so I did stand up comedy and then I moved down to Los Angeles after I won this um, international or sorry, national comedy competition at just for last festival in 2004. And that kind of opened the door for uh, a jaunt down to Los Angeles for me. And so I went down there and then Ended up living in Los Angeles for eight years, and I guess in addition to stand-up comedy, I did um, quite a bit of acting. I did some sitcom work and uh, a lot of commercial work, and then um, I've done some animation. I've done like a lot of different things, so I always find it difficult when people say, "Hey, introduce yourself." Um, <laughs> but yeah, so now I've, I've, uh, I guess to to button it up, um, I was down in Los Angeles for eight years, and uh, as I, I mentioned to you guys um, before we started recording, uh, I was able to do a sitcom here in Canada. Um, and that had been my dream for a really long time. And I just thought, well, if they're doing shows like that here in Canada, there's really no need for me to be in Los Angeles, um, so far away from my family. And so I moved back home to my hometown and, um, you know, people talk about putting roots down. We threw some heavy roots down really fast. We have three children now, ages four, five, and six. <laughs> um, so we didn't mess around when it came to the roots. And then, uh, and now I've, I actually, it's funny because I've deci I decided to, to move myself into the digital sphere in terms of my comedy um, because I just see the unlimited potential of it and um, the rather limited potential of the old um, Hollywood system and all that. And so then the pandemic hit and it just literally made the idea really essential to survive. And so um, now I've moved online and I'm, uh, if you go to jmalone.com, you can see my stuff there. That's fantastic. Do you have um, a joke in your back pocket? Is that a question you get sometimes? I do, and I never. Um, it's I do. I have one. It one just popped into my head immediately that I'll I'll share with you in a second. But yeah, I get that question a lot, and I it's I, I usually let people down because I sort of tell stories. Like I don't think of what I do as joke telling. I guess yeah. Like it's such a silly you know question I mean? now that I've asked it. I totally do because you're no, a stand-up comedian. Okay, yeah. well, like, you are a stand-up comedian, though, so you go to yes. you go on stage and then you yes. tell stories, like you just said. Yeah, funny yes. stories, though. They, stories yeah, that, that make, that people, make laugh. people laugh. Yeah, right. And, and it's it, not and necessarily set up punchline. It's it's 
Exactly. Yes. And I, and I mean, I've been doing it a pretty long time. And so I, one of the things I learned early on that I didn't really like about comedy, because again, I, I got thrown into it on a dare. Like it wasn't anything I thought I was capable of doing. And then the first time I got up on stage, I, it just, I, the first laughs I got was just a wave. And, um, and then I, like, I literally quit school. Uh, I called my father at 3am that night and said, I'm quitting school and moving to Toronto to become a stand-up comedian. And he was just like, what? Like, like that had never been mentioned before. And so, but what I love about it is, um, is, uh, sorry, what I don't like about it is like very formulaic comedy, which is kind of the setup punchline, setup punchline. Some people are brilliant at it. And if you're brilliant at anything, it's going to translate. But for me, I like it. Um, for me, I look at it more of like a fight. Like, I don't want you to see when the next punch is coming. I don't want you to see where it's going to hit you. So I try to, in, in, in the act of storytelling, I find there's, like, I do write jokes. Like, I structure them right. very specifically to make yeah. people laugh at certain points. I just don't want you to see when that's coming. So it's hard to then just sort of out of context, like, do a joke. Um, but I guess, like, probably the, the, the one I've been doing the most, like, uh, lately in the beginning of my set would be, in regards to my three children, which I mentioned very early, just to like throw the audience off, um, is that, uh, you know, people uh, like blame me for that. Like, you know, the guy always gets blamed when the kids just happen so quick like that, right? <laughs> just, like, you're the one shooting the bullets. Like you're, you're the cause of this. But in my situation, like it's not my fault. Okay. Like my wife is half French, half Lebanese. Okay. Which means she's always horny and she attacks at night when the desert is cool. Like, what chance do I possibly have? I'm half Scottish, half Irish. By the end of the day, I'm exhausted from battling with myself in a fog all day. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, so she, I just get up to you, like, pee halfway through the night, and she takes me down like a gazelle next to the laundry basket, and I just let it happen, and now we're three kids deep. So, like, it's not like a joke, per se, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but there's a lot there. So, um, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, love it. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for that insider story. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you said there was no, I didn't have to censor myself, right? So uh, here we are. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Yeah. And yeah. so you said that the pandemic really threw you into becoming um, a digital stand-up comedian. And that's kind yeah. of what you were trending towards anywhere. Yeah. Um, and so I have a question for you in terms of payments. Mm -hmm. when you have been paid before for any of your gigs, has there been any delays or, you know, huge transaction fees? Oh yeah. Well, loads. I mean, especially when I was in Los Angeles, like, uh, yeah, the, the it was like the huge aggravation trying to, you know, ca like, um, uh, go into the bank in, in, in Nova Scotia, um, you know, with, with a check from the States, like there was guaranteed it was the hold, like, cause you know, the checks when you're an actor, you can get, you paid in bulk sums, right? So you could be walking in with a good size check and then not have access to those for like quite a while. So because the um, bank wants to hold those funds because of the, the size hold. Yeah. Because um, yeah, they, they need to, I guess, confirm um, like where the check is coming from. It's just not like, especially in my situation where I'm like bringing in checks from like, various production companies and um and networks and things like that and so the banks here they just didn't have any uh history with those things like it, yeah. it 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 ended up once i had a personal relationship with the bankers you know they would put things on my file so say, this guy's a weird comedian like yes we've seen this before don't worry right so um and then on top of that like jay malone isn't even my real name so i fell into stand-up comedy and then I literally fell ass backwards into the name Jay Malone, which is a story I'm, we don't have to get into because we're here to talk about crypto. But so for me, it was doubly difficult because like my names didn't even match. So like, if you look at any of my credits, it's all Jay Malone. Like I would get paid as Jay Malone. Eventually I incorporated myself. So that's like my company. So then it became less difficult, but oh man, like it was, <laughs> yeah, it was bananas. Oh Wow. Okay. So this idea of having a currency that is completely based on the internet living, how does that, yes. um, like just knowing about that, would you jump to that sort of opportunity or, you know, what kind of um, a rabbit hole of research or thought does that put you in? Um, in terms like, look, I'm all about jumping in both feet on fire, uh, <laughs> eyes closed. 
and you know, if you talk to my wife, that's eh, not necessarily the best aspect of me. But so when I hear about something like this, from just from my perspective and how I, I guess, have viewed the world and how I've walked the world, it really resonates with me. Um, so, but but it's also it's it's like this it's this like shiny object that really resonates in like a field that I don't understand. So I've only kind of looked at it from a distance and been like, oh, that seems like any, any kind of like, you know, cutting edge tech or um, almost anything developed by like just people and not governments saying this is how things are going to work. But like, you know, people seeing what the, what's already offered by the government and saying, okay, but we have all this innovation. Why aren't we using all this innovation and adapting these systems to these innovations? Um, and so I guess, unfortunately, I feel like government has also just, it's just sort of monolithic and anything monolithic does not move swiftly. So, um, so I've, I've, I guess I've been watching it from afar just because like in terms of research for me, uh, I'm doing a lot of inner research. So at this point in my life, I'm just less interested in uh, doing the tons of research that perhaps like the, I know you guys have done um, to go down this particular rabbit hole. It's like, how many rabbit holes can I go down <laughs> in my life? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, uh, ah, it's like I'm on a steady diet of carrots. So, um, yeah, it's, it's when I like, and I checked out, you know, when you and I had met and then, uh, you sort of asked me to come on, I, I listened to a couple of, of your podcast episodes. There was the first one and then I just picked, randomly picked another one. And, um, yeah, it was what I found very interesting about it was that I immediately, you know, was getting an education on on what your experts in on a topic that I, um, you know, had some interest in, but just, again, haven't really looked into. Um, and now, like, just enough was said where I'm, it's definitely piquing my interest, you know, and so I'm actually, I'm quite excited to talk to you guys today. Fantastic. So let's get right into it. What is a question that um, has come up from the time that you've heard about cryptocurrencies and listened to some of our podcasts? I guess um, because so I'd like to maybe just get um, a feel of your visions of what it is. Right. So um, rather than ask any like specific technical questions, um, I like people talking about things that they're passionate about. So like, I guess if you could kind of see like, what is the biggest game changer um, that you think cryptocurrency would offer to not like the tech world, but just like people like me that don't really, um, and that might be down the road. I don't, I'm not saying that cryptocurrency is even designed necessarily for someone like me. Like in the beginning, computer programming. I mean, it, it probably is. I know you're, you're about to like protest and I'm loving it because I'd love to see that it's already designed for someone like me. Um, but like computer programming and stuff in the beginning, you know, you had a very select group of people that saw the potential of it and just had that sort of natural inclination to work, you know, on those machines. But now it's like, I'm completely computer literate or literate in terms of what I need to do and the tools I need to use it for without knowing anything about what's going on behind the scenes. So I'm assuming that, and it could, it could have already happened where like cryptocurrency is at that point where someone like me could sort of navigate it without knowing necessarily about all the nuts and the bolts that you guys are very well versed on. So to answer that one question that you said about what we're passionate about, um, I, I want to get to that secondly, but firstly, what it could do for someone like you, from what you mm. said earlier, get you paid near instantly. Yes. Uh, from, from anywhere in the world. From anywhere. In, yeah, that's mm. a huge point too. I, I think one of the major benefits is that uh, it's a great equalizer. It, uh, it, it takes out the friction in payments which is very ideal for someone like you starting a, a digital uh, avenue for your already established uh, career path. Uh, so if mm -hmm. there's someone around the world that wants to pay you because they like what you do, uh, you don't mm -hmm. want that to be hard for them to do that, right? Yes, you want yes. it to be as easy as possible. And like, quite frankly, banks and the financial infrastructure that we have right now, they make it kind of difficult for you to yeah, receive yeah. funds and this is this right, is a way right. to simplify that. And even if it wasn't through banks, so if you were to use a third party where someone paid you via a credit card, then there's processing mm. time, which is settling time, and then also there's mm. a, a processing fee. And not mm. that cryptocurrency doesn't have fees, but they're very, very minimal as opposed to mm. the percentage that gets taken off of 
um, someone paying you via your credit card. And then again, mm-hmm. there's how how fast or how soon do you have access to the money that you've mm-hmm. already worked for yeah. that you don't get instantly or immediately. So that's you know some of the things that cryptocurrency will uh, just solve as a problem for you. I mean, someone of your mm-hmm. profession. And mm-hmm. uh, going back to the other question of why are we so passionate about it? It's because we see and we feel the pain and the frustration Mm-hmm. experienced in the payments industry and we we know this alternative that exists that is better mm-hmm. and we we just can't help but do something about it and bring to the people what exists as a better financial alternative mm-hmm. uh, on, on a kind of people, a metal, yeah go ahead sir no you go no please you go ahead sure on, on a meta level uh like you're using the internet to distribute your content and your information and mm-hmm. what cryptocurrency represents is a, a way to distribute or receive uh, money. So it's the internet of money rather than the internet mm-hmm. of information. And so mm-hmm. it allows you to connect with anyone around the world and have you be able to trade, transfer, and share value with them. Uh, and that that is a revolution in itself. So just that's on a meta level, our vision, our, what we kind of see the world of cryptocurrency as. And uh, yeah, back to you. Mm. I feel like you had another no, question. I, yeah. No, it's... um. Yeah, it's 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 definitely. I think it it lines up with what I'm trying to do. Um, I guess where I mean, for me personally, where I'm sort of like on the beginning level, not of my career, but of in terms of like um, you know activating this platform that I've been talking about. Um, I guess most of it will be probably localized. Like I'm really trying to reach out to like Nova Scotia businesses and stuff. So I I see that probably the frustration on the payment side will be low for me right now. But yeah, I can see as soon as and and it's you know, it could happen like the next step. It's like you guys with your podcast, you'd mentioned that you have people listening in Australia. Like you, you never really know around the world where interest might spark in, in what you're doing. And so I could see how, yes, like a payment structure, um, I guess, such as the one designed right now would be very frustrating once you get to that level. But like in terms of like, I don't even really understand like uh, conceptually um, Bitcoin, like I hear Bitcoin mining and stuff. And I, I don't, I cannot wrap my mind around what that is. And, uh, and probably the, 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 the problem I'm having is that I don't really research anything. So as a comedian, I just hear something and then form something in my head that makes me laugh and move on. So, um, I want to hear that. <laughs> no, I did like, but for this, I don't even know, like, I just, I don't know what to picture. I don't know if I'm supposed to picture like, um, you know, slightly l- like less masculine uh, miners, in- instead of being underground, they're in some like cavernous um, warehouse with uh, dark computers and soot all over their bodies and the hat. That's all I see. I don't know what, but I don't know what they're doing. Why, why would they be jackhammering the machines? That doesn't make any sense. So like, <laughs> wh- what is being mined? I don't understand. Like, because we're creating the thing that is being mined, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, bitcoins are kind of created in a sense. I'm not sure which episodes yeah. you listen to, but there's there's 21 million of them, so there's a finite amount. I heard that. Yes. Yep. And so they they come into circulation slowly. So there's 18 and a half million in circulation, 21 million in total, and they come into circulation through this mining process. So y- you're aware that the government is printing money, right? They can kind of yes. just flip a switch right. and, yeah, uh, and say, hey. A trillion dollars now exists. Congratulations. How much do we need, Larry? Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's exactly. Ridiculous. It's probably a yeah. lot like that. Uh, yeah. And then, so Bitcoin mining is, is completely different. It's through a, a self-regulated process. These, there's these computers and uh, they solve hard problems. And through that solving of hard problems, uh, the Bitcoin gets minted into circulation. Uh, there's really- We're getting too technical. No, here. we're not. No, it's, yes. no, it's fine. No, that that's okay. I- yeah, hard problems. Like what? Like what? What kind of hard problems? Uh, like, well, I'm, I'm very interested in. Like I cannot, I cannot wrap my wrap my head around this. Now we'll get too technical. Well, it's they're cryptographic hash problems. But uh, I think Murga is going to help us simplify I, this. I just okay. feel like a, an analogy would be a better thing to use right now because we can go on and on talking about how yeah. it actually works. But so the the reason why Bitcoin mining is a concept that is so hard for people to grasp who aren't in the technology um, mm-hmm. realm is because it's a very different concept. It's right. it's like, think of it as people working together yep. 
And by them working together, kind of like a group project, if one person, you know, let's say that you're working on an assignment and this assignment is once you, you know, solve this one problem, you get marks for it. So mm -hmm. it's not an assignment that um, like it's an assignment rather that every like there, let's say there's a group of 10 people working on together to solve it. Mm -hmm. And then there's only one person at a time who can actually um, like who gets it. Say, let's just say that for <laughs> for this analogy, let's just say that one person gets it at a time. Okay. So yeah, out of these yeah. 10 people, one person's like, Hey, I got the answer to this first question. And then yeah. the, they get the reward. And the reward is Bitcoin. The reward is Bitcoin. Okay. okay? And okay. then you go on to the next question. And then these 10 people, again, they're at it. On average, it takes them about 10 minutes to solve the second question. And then mm -hmm. another person gets it. It could be the same person. It could be somebody else. And then... Mm -hmm. Let's say that just going with the analogy of these people, if these, like some of these people have larger brains, so more processing mm -hmm. power or mm -hmm. just like more intelligence to solve a problem, then it is more likely that they will get the answer to the problem before anybody mm -hmm. else does. And then they get mm -hmm. the reward. So scaling this group assignment to computers around the world who are, who are essentially mining something, what mm -hmm. the problem that they're trying to solve is kind of like the assignment that is written in the Bitcoin code. It's just a chunk of code okay. and it produces yep. this problem. And every 10 minutes, this group of miners all around the world are working together to get an answer to that problem. And the reason why this there's just this whole problem solving aspect of it kind of throws people off is it's because, oh, why? Why are they solving a problem? Yeah, it's like, a, like they've given themselves a problem to solve yeah for the sake of solving the problem yeah but it, solving the problem. yeah exactly but it's kind of like a second answer to yeah you know a first answer of sorts which is oh like why would anybody around the world run this code base on their computer to keep this internet money secure or you know why would anyone run an internet money code base on their computer there needs mm -hmm. to be some sort of incentive for them to right. run it yes and let's say that there is incentive. So we've got the answer to why someone would do this. Okay, if there is incentive, then how can we make sure that there's competition between people? Because how are you going to maintain mm. the fact that everybody gets an equal chance, sort of equal chance at solving mm. um, or like getting this incentive mechanism to maintain this Bitcoin network or Bitcoin code mm. base? And then that's where the problem comes in. Uh, where the code base itself produces a problem that everybody who says, oh, I, I want to support the Bitcoin code base, uh, but they have to, or their computer really has to solve this sort of, of problem to mm -hmm. get that reward. Um, okay. And that's kind of like the three-tiered tier, answer to. And so it was designed as a financial system? So, so basically, was it like people were sitting around like, hey, I don't really like what's going on. How could we come up with something that could substitute it and offer all of these wonderful things, and this is this is what they came up with. And yeah, they ever, yeah, sort of. It's exactly. I'm yeah. actually getting up. Yeah, you can talk. I'm going to bring up the Bitcoin white paper to read just that first line. So, okay. do you know the story about like who invented Bitcoin? No, because that that's actually <laughs> that's, pretty. Okay, good but don't you don't re-repeat yourself for your audience. I was very conscious of like I didn't get to listen to all your episodes. And I don't want the people that listen to you to have to re-listen to other things. So if I ask you a question you've already answered, just say, please refer to episode five and we can move on. I actually think that you'd love this story. There's probably like a good set of jokes that haven't been created because- uh, I love it already. So the, I'm, the, I'm, I'm looking for five minutes out of this interview with you guys. I want a five minute piece on, like bit on Bitcoin. Oh, you're uh, gonna have it for sure. Okay, amazing. So the, the Bitcoin origin story goes like this. There's an anonymous group of individuals. or we, So we don't know if the creator is one person or many people. We don't know the gender of the person. We don't know the race of the person. We don't know the age of the people or person. We just person. don't know anything about Nothing. That. The only thing that we know about this person is that they go by a name of Satoshi Nakamoto. So super... Satoshi Nakamoto. Yeah, weird crypto kind of name, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of background. And this person was on the earth for about three years. They came on the stage about, in about 2008 and they totally left in 2012. They were just on the wow. internet and they, that's, the, that's the story. And they created Bitcoin in 2008 and launched it in 2009, wrote some code and maintained the, the community for a couple of years. And then that was it. But like back to what you were saying, yeah, this is their gift to the world. They're kind of like, a, wow. like a, the, God of, the Godhead of Bitcoin. And 
it's I'm, very guruish. It's very uh, yeah. There is a <laughs> lot of guru kind of esque to that. Uh, yeah. Topic. Yeah, very and it was also so. This is a white paper is essentially just uh, you know paper is white and you have text written on it, but it means it's a proposal for an idea. So mm -hmm. the Bitcoin white paper was introduced on the 31st of October in 2008. Halloween. Um, on the day of Halloween. And it was, you know, right at around the time that the financial crisis, um, it had already yeah. taken place. And in the introduction of the white paper, it says commerce on the Internet has come to rely almost exclusively on financial institutions serving as trusted third parties to process electronic payments. While the system works well enough for most transactions, it still suffers from the inherent weaknesses of the trust-based model. Um, and then this is kind of, you know, where Bitcoin comes in because it's known as a trustless um, currency. Yeah, you don't and, need to trust the, the institutions that run it. You, you kind of, like, who do you trust more? A group of people that you don't know running your currency or mathematics in general? And that's, yeah, math. Right, it, it's, an, it's a no-brainer. <laughs> yes, yeah. of course. And then the abstract, it just says that it's a purely peer-to-peer -peer version of electronic cash. So, you know, peer-to-peer uh, -peer is directly from one person to another. So a direct mm -hmm. system of electronic cash, allowing online payments to be sent directly from one party to another without going through a financial institution. So those listeners in Australia who would, you know, maybe come to you and be like, hey, Jay, I want you to do um, a show for me in Australia, like a digital comedy mm -hmm. stand-up show they would be able to pay you directly. They would be able to send you Bitcoin from their mm -hmm. wallet to your mm -hmm. wallet mm -hmm. instantly. And you wouldn't wow. have to go through a bank, through a third party, through, you know, anybody. But then how do I access that? Like what's, what's then the, the transactional nature of turning Bitcoin into dollar bills to go out and, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's an excellent question. And that's where exchanges come into play. So when you've, you've traveled before and mm -hmm. you, at airports you see these currency exchange and then you have mm -hmm. you know maybe a list of 10 currencies available you can go to them with your debit card credit or you know cash and then mm -hmm. you can get the currency of the other um the country that you're traveling okay, to. yeah so it's just yeah that online so okay you have your bitcoin it's in your wallet um you know there would have to be some depending on where you receive it, let's just say that it's in, on an exchange, you're under your account um, in an exchange, and then you would just say, okay, I want to convert this Bitcoin into cash, into Canadian dollars or US dollars mm -hmm. or whatever dollar. It's convertible into like basically any world currency, and then it can be deposited into your bank account or spent right from there. There's really cool like Visa debit cards that you can uh, use now. You can load Bitcoin onto the, one of those Visa debit cards swipe it at you know your local coffee shop bitcoin yep, comes yep. off your balance and the merchant gets canadian dollars so you're spending wow. bitcoin and the the person that you're interacting with has no idea that that's happening behind the scenes and wow. so you get to spend this uh this global currency and then they get mm -hmm. to you know continue transacting in canadian dollars wow and how like uh immersive is it at this point i mean is it i mean it's still very fringe is it I mean, it sounds like if they're getting, you know, um, access to tools like that, where you're literally able to use it in real time, you know, in the matrix, um, how many people are like, is it a, is it a big movement right now that's moving over to Bitcoin and blockchain, I guess, is the underlying technology. Am I close? You nailed yeah, it. Yeah, you are. That's yeah? exactly okay. it. Uh, so it's okay. about 1% of the population that, uh, okay. that uses or participates in cryptocurrency right now. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's in the 12 years that it started. And like, if you go back and compare it to the internet, the internet started really niche as well, right? Right. Yeah, like of course. Everything. Basically no one. And then it exploded into existence. And now basically the whole world uses the internet. And yes, this is, we're following the same kind of trajectory. Right. I think, uh, I think the glasses too. I think the augmented glasses, I think that's going to be gigantic. How can that not be gigantic at some point? I mean, it's letting people down. What was it? Google glass. Everybody was like, that's garbage. Fair enough. But like the technology is just increasing. Yeah. I just can't imagine a world like where, you know, or um, the one thing that does worry me is, um, the only thing I never want to see is teleprompters on contact lenses because then we won't be able to tell who's a politician and who isn't. You know what I mean? 
like because we can see their teleprompters right now but as soon as the teleprompter goes into your contact lens you can't you can't trust anybody i think i'm out i think i'm out at that point that's when i'm gonna hit isha <laughs> how, how about if uh, you can send money at the blink of an eye oh see now you're talking that i'm, I'm definitely on that I, I would love that so then how do you become like what would you guys recommend for someone that's not of the one percent what is the process of bitcoining yourself like how the most important one is finding a reason why why do you want to yeah. get a hold of Bitcoin? Um, and why do you want to equip yourself with uh, knowing that you want Bitcoin? Sometimes those reasons are unclear in some people and it's driven by the fear of missing out. And that's something mm -hmm. that we really don't want anybody to buy Bitcoin um, because mm -hmm. of. Um, and then, so yeah, the first, the first question would be, okay, what are your reasons to get a hold of some Bitcoin? Do you have something to add? I would, yeah, yeah, I would ahead. say from... I'm just thinking for me, like my, like my reasons were, I guess, as I mentioned before, like we were talking about the Australia example, I could definitely see once I established myself, um, you know, being a stand-up comedian, <laughs> my little office in Berwick, which I just think is amazing. Um, then yeah, down the road, I would definitely want obviously faster access to my money. Like I would just want to basically evolve, um, you know, uh, whatever process I'm doing to make it the most efficient way possible. And so then if, if I was to look at Bitcoin and, and say like, yeah, or somebody could show like this is clearly the most efficient way possible. Um, then that would just be something that would be a no brainer for me. Missing out. I have no problem missing out. I consciously walked away from Los Angeles <laughs> six years ago. Uh, no problem missing out. I've had a lot of excitement in my life. Um, so I think from my point of view, it would just be uh, sheer mechanics. I, I think just the mechanics of it really interests me. I mean, yeah, the origin story is incredibly badass. And now I have to look it up immediately for my own um, to check out, check out more about that. But so while I'm also drawn to that kind of an angle, I, I just think, you know, it's, it's like any form of technology. It's, it's like you said, it always starts out niche. And I can definitely see, um, you know, the nature of this resonating with a lot more people once the shift starts to happen. Like, do you guys, that's a question that just popped up. Like, do you guys think the pandemic is going to have anything to do with like really further launching this? Yeah, it, it exactly, already has. We, uh, yeah. we, we used to kind of be a blockchain company. Like we still are, but we've, we've got this other, like this is the brand GoFull Crypto. That's the GoFull yeah. Crypto podcast. And we had another company called Atlantic Blockchain Company, but like, that's what we were doing for yeah. the last two years. And mm. in March, 2020, uh, you know, Stock markets all crash, governments print tons of dollars, and suddenly everyone's really interested in money that doesn't inflate its own supply. Ah, mm. Right. And so, like, you know, inflation takes takes place over the course of decades. And so that's one, mm. one of the conversations that we have a lot is like, okay, this is one way you can protect your savings account. Like everyone mm -hmm. should have a savings account. If you don't, you should probably consider it. And if you do, like the next question you should ask is, is my money safe in the savings mm -hmm. account? Is it cash? Because if it's cash, it's it's going to depreciate in time. And like, that's mm -hmm. that's a really important conversation that's been sparked directly by COVID and the government mm -hmm. printing of, of money. It's also the curiosity mm -hmm. of, oh, okay, you know, from the perspective of someone who lives from paycheck to paycheck or is, you know, in poor financial conditions, if they're going through this pandemic, they've lost a job, and then suddenly they read the news that the government has, you know, printed money because yeah. uh, there's a global pandemic, it kind of sparks the question, well, I've been working my... Your ass off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, working really hard, and I cannot make my ends meet, and yet... Right you know, uh, my cries have not been listened to. And then yeah, now yeah. the government is just printing money, but I'm still not out of my situation. Like I might, I might get some stimulus right now, but why mm -hmm. is it that I still have to remain poor if the people who can print money print, can print money so quickly? Yeah, it's the obvious question that pops up. <laughs> it really shows the underbelly of the whole system when, you know, things crash in a hurry. Yeah. Yeah, so like um, a lot has been exposed recently, and that's just sparked a lot of conversation, which we're really glad about. Uh, and oh yeah, I bet it's it's just like there's alternatives now. We all just rush towards this digital version of the world, and since everyone is sort of forced to 
stay indoors. And part of that digital world that we're going into is uh, like participating in a global economy. That's a particular idea that resonates with me. Mm. Uh, like I, I, yes, I'm a Canadian, but I'm also a citizen of the world. And we don't have a world currency, right? There's no one currency that is like, okay, this is the one that belongs to the world. The US dollar is the closest thing. And I just quite frankly, don't resonate quite deeply with uh, the motives and, and beliefs. They, and uh, listen, I mean, I, I don't know. It's happened fast, but it's also happened slow. And I feel like people aren't, like they've gone completely off the deep end. Um, completely. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a complete laughing stock which just undermines the entire system that's been built up. Like you, you can't, I, yeah, the other undecided people, uh, I was just trying to write a bit about that. Like, how are you possibly undecided at this point in terms of the election down there? That makes no, it's like, I just can't, do I want to eat this carrot or this piece of turd? I just don't know. There's, there's similar things. Like it's not even anyway, not that, not that like, uh, the current system, if, I think we're in trouble either way, basically. And so, yeah. like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this this is an idea, I guess, uh, again, using the term resonates with me because, um, uh, yeah, in some in some sense, like, um, you, it just more empowers you. You just become more empowered is what it feels like to me if we were to move in this direction than just the way things are right now, which is a laughing stock. So... I think just given the way the world is shaking down right now, it looks good for you guys. I love you know that. I mean? you, like, yeah. I love that you just use the word empowered because uh, that's, we use that word all the time. Like for us, we're, yeah. we feel empowered with our own finances, but mm. like on a broader level, uh, we feel empowered with the community that we're a part of. Like the Bitcoin community is a mm. really positive place to be because mm. we're all trying to participate and move the world forward together as a, uh, as a global community, rather than uh, like a community that is segmented by our arbitrary government borders, quite frankly. Like yeah. we've got these weird borders that are just mm -hmm. lines on a map. If you look at the world, there's no borders. You know, you're looking down from space, we're all on the same planet and yeah. like we're hurtling towards many, many kind of crises and catastrophes. Yeah. And uh, one of the best ways I, think that we can work together is by using the same money and uh, money that doesn't serve the interests of any corporation or government, but money that actually serves the interests of the people. And so that's, mm -hmm. that's the, Ruga's got a weird smirk on her face. What are you thinking there? <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking. I thought like, too. I thought too. Oh, well, you know, it's, it's a self-sovereign currency. We feel empowered because we have complete control over this money. And, and this is a community that is worldwide. So it's a, the world currency that offers self-sovereignty. And mm. I find that a little bit paradoxical, but it's so beautifully paradoxical because it's this mm. large community around the world supporting, marketing, talking about evangelizing Bitcoin because they, each one of us, get complete control over our money by using it. Mm -hmm. And that's not the same when it comes to government money right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's um, it's actually very similar to yoga. It's it's very similar to, we talked about Sadhguru before this, but, um, uh, you know, the idea that we're, you, you, you have to look at yourself first before you can do anything of value in the world. You know what I mean? Like, you have to... Um, um, sort of establish yourself and so many people are like going for um, the, the self-help books and you know um, trying to get wellness and well-being from some external place which uh, while, while it can certainly help you along the way it, it uh, you know inevitably it comes down to us and I just feel like this idea um, yeah it speaks to me I guess in that way uh, whereas maybe it's not there right now like if it, it's it's probably this isn't going to be a conversation I'm going to go home and have with my 70 year old mother at this point. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know right. if, if she, you know, if she, but oh, please jump in. Oh. Tell me why my mother needs to go Bitcoin right now. Yeah. No, well, like it, one for one, it'd be very interesting to hear her perspective on it and explain it to her, maybe make a video yeah. for some comedy content too. But the second mm -hmm. thing that I was thinking of is inflation is a slow bleed. Uh, mm. We went to Acadia University and there's these ancient pictures, I say ancient, but, you know, maybe a hundred years old where going to pay for university was a couple of dollars. Right. You know, can you imagine paying $10 to go to university? But that's mm. not the point because what $10 was then is $10,000 right now. Mm -hmm. And it's really not like anything has changed 
we just mm-hmm. have more money, which is why the money that already existed is now has less purchasing power. And mm-hmm. with respect to speaking to your grandmother, you can say, oh, like, can you give me some references of how much um, bread cost when you were a teenager? How much was the mm-hmm. cost of living? And then if you mm-hmm. compare that to wages, uh, not increasing mm-hmm. at the same rate as yeah. the amount of uh, money in circulation, it's like the equation isn't, uh, it, it doesn't add it's up. It's not a balanced no. equation. It tilts to the scale that isn't, in, in your favor. In your favor. And we right. say that very harshly. And, you know, in Canada, it's a much better situation than some other parts of the world. But mm. if there is a centralized entity, nonetheless, I don't know if it's like, if it's not the Dalai Lama or, you know, mm. a, a mm. more people-based um, government, then mm-hmm. it just doesn't speak for the people. Of course. Yeah. And so is there a big pushback right now, like internationally or like what, what is the reaction of the powers that be to Bitcoin? Are they trying to shut it down? Are they trying, like, can they, it seems like, is it hackable? You know what I mean? Can they uh, demine it? (laughs) All all code is hackable, but it hasn't been hacked yet. Uh, So to answer your question really directly about, can it be shut down? uh, The simplest answer is no. Uh, that's there's there might be I, I can't think of a scenario where it's actually possible to shut it down uh mm-hmm. I, oh a solar flare I, or like a zombie ac- we apocalypse. actually have a podcast on that i think it's like four <laughs> or five or something like that what would make bitcoin fail yeah uh i, yeah, I want yeah. to address uh, the question of um oh what, what was it that, that you just asked it was um What's causing it? Like what? How have people oh, have reacted back. to it? Yeah, you're you're yeah, familiar yeah. with the quote. Like uh, first they laugh at it, then they fight it, then you win. Or or there's four phases of that. And yeah, Bitcoin is going through that phase. Oh, first they ignore it, then they laugh yeah. at it, then they fight it, and then Bitcoin wins. And we're right. currently in the Bitcoin winning stage right now. Uh, mm-hmm. So like they've already tried to fight it. And I think that we're going to see more fighting happen in the future. Like governments mm. recognize it as a threat uh, because, mm. well, quite frankly, it's threatening to, mm-hmm. to governments and organized centralized structures. But uh, we haven't seen a real organized threat. I mean, can you imagine Russia and China and the United States getting together in a coordinated effort to fight anything though? So like, no. <laughs> exactly. I don't, right. I don't see that happening. Yeah. So Bitcoin's right. really yeah. safe yeah. in that respect. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I just think it would, I, I, I'm assuming it would make them even more uncomfortable now because it seems like something that's offering stability in a very wildly unstable world. Beautifully so, put. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm learning. <laughs> you guys are teaching me. You're a poet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, okay, cool. Um, yeah. With respect to pushback, I just wanted to say something more. In the past, this technology is only 10 years old. And in the past 10 years, mm-hmm. Bitcoin in particular has been announced dead multiple times. There's actually mm-hmm. a website dedicated to it. What is it? Bitcoin eulogy? Bitcoin obituaries. Oh, Bitcoin obituaries. Mm-hmm. And, and that just that message is like, I've seen that message. Like, it's, it's not even like, it's not like, I'm not seeking anything out. It's one of those things like you can kind of tell how good the advertising, whether it's negative or positive is by how it affects the regular Joe. And I've seen that several iterations of that message in various ways that Bitcoin is dead and yeah, and you were mentioning earlier, you've also seen that Bitcoin is used uh, when somebody's computer is hacked and in order to unlock this person's computer, the hacker has a message that yes. says, send me Bitcoin. And then the, the worst thing is that people be in, blame Bitcoin for it. And then it you know, has this sort of um, image of, oh, Bitcoin is the currency that hackers use. But that's not mm-hmm. true because before Bitcoin mm-hmm. existed, computers still got hacked and mm-hmm. it was just a different kind of method of getting paid for the the hackers it was Mm -hmm. oh send us money to this address these are the details of this bank account send it in an envelope they send it in or like send Mm. a wire transfer before this particular period of time and yes because it's you 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 can get paid near instantly it's faster for a hacker to get their money from bitcoin so there's like a couple things though it it seems like it makes sense that a hacker would would deal in Bitcoin, would deal in an internet currency. That's obviously where their expertise is. So, <laughs> right. right. I think one of the points that you're making is that the media tends to focus on two aspects in particular. 
Bitcoin is worthless. It's dead and it's like not going anywhere, which is just completely the opposite of, of true. And then the second thing is it's only used by criminals and hackers, which is again, the opposite of true. And those are the two things that the average individuals hear. It's like we ask people on the streets like, hey, you know, cryptocurrency. They're like, yeah, Bitcoin, right? The hacker thing, uh, the thing that criminals <laughs> use. And we're uh, like, yeah. uh, no, I'm actually talking about like the, the self-sovereign the currency that has the potential yeah. to completely change the way that we do money. Yeah, it's mm. kind of like a tool. I've, been, I've heard it being um, compared to a car analogy that, okay, like a car is a tool for you to get from place A to place B, but a car can also be used by a thief or robbers right. to uh, rob a bank and then put the money in the car and then drive the car. But are you going to blame the car or are you going to blame the fact that people like this exist or you know we there's different things to look at here but you're not going to look at the car and be like oh they had that car we should just stop manufacturing yeah. cars because they right. aided right. robbers and because and, not, yeah. and nothing nothing is like nobody complains about nobody doesn't watch tv because um the porn industry basically um uh was, was like the 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 leading participate in building all of these technologies like the vhs tapes it was first porn that was pushing those out and like you know so you just, nobody nobody says anything about that it's like oh i'm not gonna watch happy days tonight oh i just dated myself a lot but i'm not gonna watch, uh, <laughs> I'm, not gonna watch I'm not gonna watch the voice tonight because uh somebody invented this for porn reasons yeah everybody you're gonna find you're gonna find negatives in, in basically every field in the world so you know it's, it's basically whatever you want to point at but yeah it's, it, i it must be very frustrating to, uh, you know, be very passionate about this thing and see the the full scope of it and and not be getting, not seeing it get through to the masses, right? It used to be at first, but then this is what we've dedicated uh, our current career path to, you know, when someone right. says that we, we just have enough knowledge and information to tackle that argument and ask a series mm. of questions that points out that, okay, Bitcoin's not the problem here. Uh, and furthermore, there just is a lack of knowledge on cryptocurrencies as well. So Bitcoin in particular is um, a pseudon pseudonymous currency. So people yeah. think that you can't trace any transactions that take place on Bitcoin. It's a completely um, private um, or non-transparent transaction, but that is the absolute opposite of what mm. the case is. You can you can view every single transaction that takes place on uh, the Bitcoin blockchain. And that's that underlying infrastructure. That's what makes it a transparent um, place, to, place do business. to do business. Yeah, Thank place you. to do money. And so that's what, that's what the creator designed? That's yeah. What this person designed was the blockchain, like the foundation on which I guess they're having, like, so there's Bitcoin, but there's a, there's a few different variations of it, is there? I mean, there's it's not just... There's thousands of different cryptocurrencies out there. And and the yeah. word blockchain actually didn't come into like into the stage until after Bitcoin was invented. So Bitcoin was mm. out for like two or three years before people named the underlying infrastructure blockchain. Mm. And so like Bitcoin really is the core innovation with, with blockchain mm. coming after and then like them realizing that this can actually be used for a number of other things. And now we've got thousands of different cryptocurrencies out there and there's that's a whole kind of discussion on its own. Yeah. And when is, you that, is that an issue? Do you guys see that as an issue that it's sort of fragmenting like that or? It's not an issue per se, because each one, each and every cryptocurrency has its own particular project that it's supporting or backing. And you said earlier that are how many, you know, are there other Bitcoins and um, that's a very interesting question because in some sense, the code base that Bitcoin runs on is available to, for anyone to look at. And mm. if today you decide that, hey, I, I actually want to create my own copy of Bitcoin and call mm. that something else or modify something in it, which, Malone coin. which has been done. Mm. Um, there's, okay. you know, Bitcoin, the code base has been copied. Some things have been modified to make, you know, something faster or make improvements mm -hmm. and then launch as its own currency. And that's mm -hmm. one way of doing it. Another way is, oh, this cool technology exists. We're just going to use the underlying infrastructure and then make our own upgrades to it that make it faster. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, add all of these other version updates and then launch our own particular cryptocurrency. Yeah, at the end of the day, like more cryptocurrencies, it creates competition for Bitcoin and right. competition is healthy. It just kind of makes the whole ecosystem better. 
on the note of comedy, there's one particular coin. It's called Dogecoin. And it's it's literally, it, it was a, created as a joke. And then in 2017, it grew to be like worth billions of dollars. Uh, and it's just, it's just the face of a dog on a coin. And there's billions of them out there. And it's really quite ridiculous. But the, yeah, people have kind of took bitcoin and like hey this is actually kind of ridiculous and in this kind of way and they've created dogecoin as a way of illustrating that and that's sort of i actually read some news this morning about atari have you ever played on the atari console let me tell you something my friend just lent me a little box uh that has like every old game and old game system on it and my two sons and I, basically, we just spent an entire day yesterday of our heads exploding. Me just like playing old games that I never got to play. And then them just being like in the middle of an arcade in our living room. So yeah, we have we were gaming on some Atari yesterday hardcore. Oh, that's that's fantastic. Well, so I read this news that, uh, on Bloomberg Business and it says Atari's first console in 20 years comes with a crypto twist. And uh, to read further, it'll offer access to more than 100 arcade games and home classics which users can buy with a new coin called Atari token. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, cool. This is what it looks, looks pretty cool. Oh yeah. Very cool. Very sleek. So then so obviously some companies are adopting this and Pardon. starting to use this tech. Yeah. Okay. Here's one way that, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, which should then help it bring in into the mainstream, right? Yeah. Uh, one way to conceptualize these cryptocurrencies that other companies come out with is like you've got air miles, right? And you've got reward points on your mm-hmm. credit card, but you can mm-hmm. kind of only trade them for what they dictate, right? Your yeah, air miles, yeah. you can only spend them at Sobeys and you can buy flights with them, but kind of not right now. Uh, <laughs> it, it, imagine like cryptocurrency is like an air mile that you can actually trade for dollars. Ah, oh, Okay. That's yeah, cool. it's like yeah. it is come out by like a, a proprietary company, like a company governs it, creates it, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, you can trade that air mile in for Canadian dollars at a kind of a rate that you decide. Wow. Okay. Market decides, more rather. That's a good way to put it. Well, the dog has done his bone. <laughs> we're in a lot of trouble. Oh, we, that people are going to have no idea what we're talking about because I think we discussed that before we start recording the podcast. I have a dog in my room, everybody, and he's done his bone. <laughs> and he's looking up at me threateningly. Um, okay, I've lost my train of thought completely, but... Uh, <laughs> it's, it's all good. Okay. Yeah, so did you have... Um, like, what do you think of this conversation that we've had just in the past hour? Um, do you have any more questions that have come up sort of to sum up some of the explanations that we've discussed? Yeah, I guess um, w- one thing that popped up was just when you were mentioning the various uh, the various kinds of cryptocurrencies, there must be, is there no then third party? Like if I'm creating a cryptocurrency, wouldn't I then be kind of the third party between you and your money in the same, in, the, in a similar way that a bank would be? Is that? Uh, like, that's a- is, Really good question. It actually brings into the conversation like a lot of profound philosophical discussion. Okay, I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll try to do that as briefly as I can. But like, one of the reasons why, like Satoshi Nakamoto being important or being anonymous, yeah. why that's important is because uh, you're right. If there's a leader behind the cryptocurrency, they can kind of be seen as a third party or the arbiter right. of the system itself. But seeing how the creator of Bitcoin is completely anonymous, it it actually oh. is it's open to become the people's currency because there is no wow. leader, right? Yeah, Whereas yeah. if a company builds a cryptocurrency, they are that third party and they, they kind of have those levers and controls to manipulate it, um, not always, but that there is that valid critique in there. Uh, right. The other part of this discussion is that money is a belief system. And yes, so yes. you can create J Malone coin tomorrow. but right. who, Or today. Or today. <laughs> yeah. uh, who's going to use that? Who, who are you going right. to yeah. in to use that, that currency as money? Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. can you take J Malone coin, a million of them, and go to the coffee shop and buy a coffee with it? No, right. you can't, right? right? Um, yeah. Like you can't even load it onto your own proprietary Visa debit card and swipe it yeah. and have the other person receive Canadian dollars. It doesn't work like that. Uh, one way yeah. to make it work would be that you would have to talk to exchanges and say, hey, I have a lot of people buying things from me and this is my own you know, proprietary company, whatever. Can, mm-hmm. like, 
I wanted to be listed as an exchange because I have a lot of clients in Australia and they wanted to, uh, I, I want to have a, like a J Malone coin and Australian dollar pair or mm-hmm. whatever. And, you know, there's ways about going about that, but you would need a lot of resources to make that happen. Yes. So can you guys then like, um, can you kind of infer the benevolence of the creator in this particular situation by looking perhaps at the code and seeing that it's, because who's to say that the person, um, you know, that created it isn't some government, some shady government organization, right? Like you can say, oh, they're, they're incredible and they're genderless and, and, and all this, but it, it could be like the flip, the flip side could be true. So I'm just wondering if by looking at the design of the blockchain and understanding how it works, you can then kind of just infer that, no, no, this person was legitimately trying to set up something uh, for the people that would empower the people. Um, and that them just stepping away and being anonymous was almost like the feather in the cap of just saying like, this is what I want this to be. And the only way it can be like this is to not associate it to any single person or group of people. That's, that's so interesting. You should bring that up. Like, yeah, there's lots of conspiracies that, oh, the U.S. government created it or North Korea created Bitcoin. Uh, but I like that you said, yeah, you can look at the code base and you can Mm. look at the way it was designed and make certain assertions or assumptions about the type of person or people that did actually create it. And yeah, you can read some benevolence into it if you choose to do so, which I I Mm. do. I I choose to believe that it's, it's actually a moral system. It's, uh, Mm. it's a really complex, but beautifully simple orchestration mm-hmm. of incentive mechanisms, economics, um, physics. It's, it's got a lot of all this uh, multidisciplinarian uh, stuff put together into this thing that actually works as, as a global money. And uh, yeah, small spiel, you know, something mm. to add there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the best part about it is that it's tr- so transparent. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, right. It's that's, yeah, that's it. It's a transparent right. corpus. It Going back to that analogy of um, uh, the assignment and the minors, uh, <laughs> mm. you, you know, you can blow up that 10 people group assignment to 100,000 people and everyone gets the same assignment and mm. everybody gets access to the same question at the same time and everybody's task is the same. Mm. Everyone's treated equally. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a great equalizer, which is uh, something that you know, we, we hear that word used a lot in today yeah. and uh, very few systems that we build actually uh, give people the ability to be equal. The internet is mm-hmm. one of them, right? Anyone mm-hmm. can have a voice. Anyone can start a blog. Anyone can comment on any post on Facebook and mm-hmm. uh, the same opportunities, the same kind of equalization doesn't exist financially with people. Uh, like mm. there's 1.6 billion people on the planet that don't have access to financial services, like simple mm. storing up their funds in a savings account. And that's not equality. So what right. Bitcoin does is it gives people a free bank account. Um, yeah. that's, yeah. that's one way that it, it uh, seeds equality or uh, qualities of equality into the, mm-hmm. into the world we live in, which is just fantastic. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Wow, and yeah. another point, there is also censorship resistance resistance so you were saying earlier that your stage name is jay malone and uh, mm. you had some uh resistance convincing the bank that you are <laughs> the person who's receiving yes. this check with respect mm. to bitcoin it doesn't it doesn't care what your name is it just needs your mm. particular address right. and you can receive the money you know you don't have to incorporate your name or you know go through several loopholes to prove who you are all you have mm. to do is get access to it, this code. It doesn't ask any Network. questions whatsoever. It doesn't know how to ask questions about who you are. Yeah, it, it just yeah, it almost just strips the inherent like flaws of humanity away from a process that doesn't really need it, right? Your your yeah. finances. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that's very cool, guys. Um yeah. I was so nervous about this chat, honestly. I'm like literally I was about fifteen minutes before chatting with you guys, I had literally constructed a message on Facebook to a few of my local friends to say, Hey, if anybody has any questions on cryptocurrency, please <laughs> help me because I don't even know how to formulate one. And, uh, and I listened and I was very late last night. Um, we, we went out last night. So when I got back home, I listened to like two in the morning to a couple of your podcasts and just getting deeper and deeper in my mind in trouble for what was going to be coming up today. But this was delightful. And I really feel like I learned a lot. So I appreciate that. 
Yes, I'm glad. And, you know, we are in Atlantic Canada. You can always reach out, even mm-hmm. if you weren't, because thankfully the internet exists. Reach out to us anytime. Yeah. Um, one yeah. thing that I was thinking of um, when you, uh, during this particular chat was, you know, when you said, okay, what can I do to get into crypto? And we mm-hmm. talked about some of the reasons. Something that the simplest thing that you can do is have the ability to receive crypto set up. So mm. on your digital platform, on your website, you can say, accept, I accept payments in crypto. And okay, can, yeah. Oh, I Perfect. accept donations in crypto or, you know, tips in crypto, right. whatever. And all you have mm-hmm. to do is publish your um, your public address. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. a little bit technical, but we can get into that mm-hmm. later. And yeah. now you have a new payment stream set up. Wow. That's a okay, yeah, that was exactly, that's perfect. That's, that's a great button because that, uh, yeah, that's something I could do and would actually look into doing now after having this conversation, definitely. Yeah, yep. absolutely. And ho- I'm hoping you guys will come check out a show. Well, you, obviously you're going to come check out a show, right? You're going to come to my next show? Absolutely. I'll let you know yeah. when it is. All right. Cool. Fire us a link and you yeah, can I will. like plug yourself right now. Like, when is it? When is it happening? Um, it's okay. So we're, you're not, this isn't live, so it should give me time to set this up. But actually last night I just decided that, um, Friday the 13th, November 13th, I'm going to do my next, um, my next online show and, cool. uh, it'll be at 8 PM. So I will send you a link to that. And, uh, 8 PM ADT? yeah, yeah. Friday the 13th, 8 PM ADT. And yeah. we will have details to get access to the show in the show notes. Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. Where, where else so of course. Where else can people find you, Jay, to get in touch um, with you? Well, like I said, jaymalone.com. I really sort of set that one page up. Um, they can uh, reach out to me if they have any questions about doing shows. Um, contact at jaymalone.com. Uh, as I said, like doing it digitally is wonderful because, A, I'm literally able to just, like that curtain, behind that curtain is my office. So I write my jokes there. It, it's nothing for me to pop onto the stage, you know, go online and do a showcase set for anybody that wants to watch. So basically I'm just contacting companies and you know, the, the first person I talk to would just say like, yeah, if you, you know, want to have a night of laughs for your company, because I think we all could use some of that right now, um, come check out a free show. And if you like it and think that I'd be the right fit for your company, then, you know, come book a show with me. So. Yeah. And after this episode, Jay Malone also accepts uh, Bitcoin. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Bitcoin yes. <laughs> so if the creator of Bitcoin would like a laugh, perhaps, please check in. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm like, I'm so fascinated by this story. I'm literally going to go to like, are there people trying to unearth who this person or persons? There must be tons of people, right? Trying to figure that I, out. Yeah. If you're so inspired by it, um, you know, maybe one of your shows can be about Satoshi Nakamoto and just, you know, the cryptocurrency industry. Mm. Um, and it would just be dedicated to crypto. And then we can perhaps figure something out and, you know, put it on our podcast or do something about yeah. it. We'll, we'll chat sure. about this later. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. I would love to do that. Yeah. Fun. Fantastic. Right Are right, you on any you. social media channels uh, besides, so Jay Malone is dot com. Yes. Um, I mean, like I said, I've, I've sort of switched over everything. So I really didn't pay too much attention while I was able to perform in public to social media and things. So I'm trying to now catch up to the past 15 years of human activity and evolution um, and doing it all at once. So you saw, I think my, I do the said guru, Donald Trump uh, cartoon, little cartoons. Yeah. So uh, said guru puts out like a daily wisdom quote. So I take those wisdom quotes and then put them uh, contrasted to some nonsense from Donald Trump on a daily basis. So I would like to get back into that. So that would be my Instagram account, um, which I'll probably on. But again, all that stuff is on jmalone.com. So oh. I want to check it out. I can go there. Wonderful. Uh, to yeah. end, I have one question for you. Mm-hmm. What's one radical idea that you have that you want to have happen? Oh, one radical idea. Oh, okay. I can share this with you. Um, what I would like to do is, I, I think personally that... Um, the key to us surviving as a humanity is to raise everyone's level of consciousness. So um, Bitcoin, none, none of these systems that we've designed are going are gonna to work unless A, we take personal responsibility for our lives and realize that there is much more to being human than we, um, than we currently understand. And, uh, and so one thing I would like to do is said guru, who is, um, I would say my guru at this point, even though I've never technically taken classes from him, um he said the that internet. uh what's that oh he's all over the internet you've 
You've taken. Oh no, I've taken like I've I've gone to Toronto to see him and things, but I mean like I have ideas with Sadhguru. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be. Uh, I would like to get very close to Sadhguru at some point in my life. And so one of the ways that I'd like to do that is he said that if you bring me the 25 leaders of the 25 um, like most influential countries right now, I will change the world. Give them to me for five days and I will change the world. So I think it's time we had, you know, we've had a, a Helsinki summit, right? The, the, the Helsinki, there's been a lot of summits around the world. I feel like it's time for an inner summit, an inner world summit where the leaders just come and sit and he has them for five days and we see what happens. So if Some I could be almost like the guy... Almost like the guy I like to compare it to in um, uh, the, the Christmas Vacation with Chevy Chase. Have you guys seen Christmas Vacation? A long Chevy time Chase? ago. Yeah. A long time ago. Okay, well, there's a scene where uh, he doesn't get his bonus check for Christmas, and he's really upset. And so his brother-in-law, who is um, played by, I think, Dennis Quaid, who is just like, uh, just a maniac, he says, um, Chevy Chase says, I, I want the, my boss brought to my house, uh, wrapped up in a bow, and, um, and he's just, he's just like venting. And then this guy actually goes out and goes to this, ha- this guy's house and like drags his boss out of the house, puts a bow on him and stands him in front of him. And then of course the SWAT team comes in. I don't want it to end like that, but I would like to be the Randy Quaid character for said guru and just somehow inspire a movement to bring the 25 top leaders of the world to sit in front of him and just be quiet for five days. And I think that would change the world. That's a fantastic idea. I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. So I don't know how to go about it. I mean, you guys could probably help. I think a petition would be one to go out and try to get as many people, you know, to sign up and say, yes, put these people, put asses in front of this guy and just let them listen. And then they can then go back and, you know, um, I, it, A, they'll just be as people, better people. They will be calmer people. He will, you know, um, you guys know who I'm talking about. So uh, I think that would be the and that's the craziest idea I can think of in my tiny office in Berwick. Um, you had talked about, you know, you decided to make Bitcoin your career choice. And if I can get the jokes online um, and be able to make people laugh this easily, then I think that would be something I would dive myself into. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your radical idea. There's sure. people who you're the first. To it. You're the first. Yeah, well, and our listeners are going to be the second. And if anybody wants yeah, to join you go. in that effort, it could be yes. a coordinated, decentralized effort. It's going to have to be. It's, I'm an idea guy. I'm not very good at the nuts and bolts of things. <laughs> but um, yeah, if I can inspire enough people to do that, that'd be amazing. Fantastic. Everybody, everybody needs a touch of yoga. That's all. <laughs> Great. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jay, for joining us on this podcast. And yeah, I, just, I had so much fun and I really like meeting you. It was, uh, it was wonderful. Thank you for having me on this. Uh, is my dog and my dog is now in the shot. This is such a good dog. Oh my God. He's, he's a good boy. No doubt he is peed in my office behind me, but he's pretty cute. So, and, and his name is Yogi. So there you go. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. But no, I really appreciate it, guys. It was very nice meeting you. Absolutely. And for everyone who wants to contact him, uh, we will have his details in the show notes. So you can just uh, click on expand and contact him directly. Amazing. Thank you. With, With that, I say thank you everyone for listening and watching and stay tuned.